So, you just woke up and you don't know what's happening. Don't fret, the Ramblin' Pixelvision podcast has you covered like a warm blanket. We're the show that's here with you one day and every three weeks of your new forever. It's the only podcast you'll ever need. With me on the show today is one of our beloved Pixel Visionaries, and he's going to give us a clue about what makes him tick. Say hello to the listeners, PV. It's a pleasure to be invited on the podcast, everyone. Believe me when I say the pleasure is all ass. First question I have for you today is, with so many incredible passions, how do you organize your time? Well, I mostly just work out how many video games I want to play and organize everything else around that. Who wouldn't? Second question, given your unbelievable success, what is your greatest regret? Aha, well, it's got to be not tuning into Pixel Vision sooner, of course. It has been a game changer. Uh-huh, I'm sure it has. A third question, when did you realize that you possess a vision greater than the rest of humanity? Well, when I was six years old, my mother asked me to draw a circle, but I drew a square instead. Incredible. Fourth question, what book, song, or play most speaks to your spirit? Under the circumstances, I think it'd have to be The Philosophical Musings of the Drop by little-known legends, Land of the Giants. Oh, what a day. What a day, what a day. Breathe in, suck deep, blow out of your set away. Whoa. That is a killer opening lyric. Fifth question. What did you know you had to bring with you on your Pixel Vision voyage? An Ethernet cable and an enema syringe. I pack light and hyper clean, baby. Ouch! Sixth question. As one of the world's greatest living geniuses, do you finally enjoy having a spotlight shone on your work? I sometimes wonder if it's not quite bright enough, you know? <laughs> but if I can be serious for a moment, the spotlight is an illusion. It is only the pixel we see. Deep words from deep mind and even deeper vision. Final question. What is the name bestowed on you by our great podcast? I'm Ben. Well, how about that? Nobody saw that coming. I guess I must be Teo then. And this is... Pixel Vision! Vision. Ah, so another intro, another podcast, mm. another game. Mm. You know, normally at this point, Tay, mm. I would say to you, so a little bit of gut reaction. What did you think? But this is not normally. What is this then? These are different days. What kind of days are these? These are days when my esteemed co-host is taken to Twitter, dropping spoiler bombs about what he's going to say on the podcast. Whoa. And I quote, slight spoiler for our upcoming episode, but yep, it's a great game. Took a while for me to get into the rhythm of it and the start and end dragged a little, but there's lots to love. Do you remember those words too? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just thought, is that not okay? I mean, I'm only giving away like a little nugget, a little chunk to the super fans, which follow us on Twitter. People wait three weeks between episodes for your little nuggets, mate. They love your little nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> they, that was not meant to be an innuendo. That is disgusting. Take your ethernet and enema syringe elsewhere. I don't want anything to do with those nuggets. <laughs> 
Oh, no, but I gotta say, I think, to be honest, I've probably done that in the past as well. But when I saw it, I was like, oh no, now I know what he thinks. Whereas there'd been a little bit of mystery up until this point, I think. Damn, yeah, I suppose there had been some mystery. Well, because we haven't texted about the games. Like, sometimes we message or fire a little bit of back and forth about something, but we haven't at all. Not really with Deathloop at all. Like, well, certainly towards the beginning when we started recording the podcast, we were really... Oh, I mean, we are quite tight on not talking about our thoughts before recording anyway. But of late, like the last few games, there has been a few little back and forths like here and there. But this one, yeah, first time in ages where I just don't think we've said like one thing about it to each other. So yeah, bit of a spoiler. Sorry about that. Can I guess your thoughts? Because you haven't told me anything, but I think you loved it. I was quite confident that you enjoyed this game immensely. Am I right? Hmm. Interesting. I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Fuck. <laughs> but you're not on the mark either, I wouldn't say. Ah, okay. Because I basically wanted to set out my stool here and say, I think I'm probably going to be quite critical this podcast, but I wanted to say, like, right off the bat, up front, I definitely recommend playing it. It's a really good game. Mm. But for those reasons, I'm going to be really critical mm. because it could have been so much of a better game, I think, in a lot of ways. And it was almost like every sort of area or every new element of the game that I was introduced to, I really liked and then felt was lacking a little bit Mm. and wanted a bit more than it gave me. So yeah, I did enjoy it. I did have a really good time playing it. And definitely, if you're listening, you're one of those people who listens but doesn't want a spoiler. You think maybe you'll play along or whatever. This is a game to play along. It's good. Mm. I would recommend playing it. That's interesting because I had sort of the opposite experience in that I started off the game thinking what's all the hype about I'm not really into this I can already tell that I'm not going to enjoy it what's the fuss about and then by about five or six hours in I was really enjoying it and then pretty much enjoyed it all the way up until the end so it properly won me over and by the end I was I felt super enthusiastic about it so I feel like I'm going to come on here and be really enthusiastic about it yeah But I think I know exactly why you had that initial gut reaction. Mm. Because I don't think it was that dissimilar to my gut reaction when I first opened it, actually. And I think it boils down to the writing. But let's get to the writing after we've got through the tear monologue. We have been playing Deathloop. It is a first-person shooter from Arcane Studios, who are the devs behind Dishonored and Dishonored 2, and Prey as well. So yeah, they're known for their immersive sims, and I'm not sure if you could quite call this game an immersive sim. There's not too much to do in the world, apart from press a few buttons and shoot a few people. But certainly, like, yeah, it's a first-person shooter. The hook of the game is that you're replaying the same four levels over and over again at different times of the day. And that is because you are on an island where you, alongside a bunch of other crazy geniuses, have managed to harness the supernatural power of this place to repeat the same day over and over again. It's kind of alluded to a little bit in the lore that kind of the world outside is going to hell and they're here on this island escaping from the world outside. So yeah, you're replaying the same game over and over again. And then the, the second big hook of the game is your rivalry, your character Colt, with the character of Juliana on the island. So you as Colt, you're trying to break this loop, trying to make sure that it ends finally, not repeat over and over again. And Juliana is trying to stop you from doing that. I think that's a fair enough summary to begin. Yes, it is. 
So should we pick up then with the writing where we were going in? Because I think that's kind of the first thing that hits you when you start the game in a way. Mm. Because while overall the game's writing isn't necessarily bad, it's quite jarring to start with, especially. It's abrasive. The dialogue between Juliana and Cole is like just so sweary. So sweary. Fuck. Why can't I remember? I'll break your fucking loop and whatever I did to piss you off, I'm sorry. We dated, didn't we? Shit. Oh, shit! Oh, you always fall for the same old shit. What the fuck is this? Our nieces. You're gonna give me that attitude? You know, I usually make it easy for you, you ungrateful prick. And I read... I don't know if this is true. I assume it's true because I read it in a Polygon article with one of the game designers mm. that they were trying to base the dialogue on Quentin Tarantino movies. Mm. But I think maybe they just took from that, let's have loads of effing and blinding in it because they just swear at each other all the time. Like literally Colt's, I think his first word might be like, fuck or something like that. Yeah. Like he just constantly seems to be expleting. That's definitely not a word. It's true. It, it felt like it was trying a little bit too hard to be adult, mature content, to be that thing rather than it seeming particularly natural. And yeah, I totally agree. Especially at the beginning of the game, I did really feel that. It was trying a little bit too hard to be like cool and adult and that kind of thing. And you say Quentin Tarantino, I hadn't thought of it, but after you saying it then, yeah, I can definitely see that influence there. I mean, I'm not... a quentin tarantino like super fan or anything but those films like when they're not good they do seem a little bit like that like they're trying a bit hard don't you think it's a metaphor for big dicks no it ain't it's about a girl who's very vulnerable she's been fucked over a few times and uh then she meets a guy who's whoa, whoa, whoa 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 time out green they tell that fucking bullshit to the tourists toby who the fuck is toby oh yeah I mean, most of the time they seem like they're trying a bit hard, but let's not anger the Tarantino fans out there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they didn't come here to hear their idol shat on by a pair of nobodies <laughs> in a podcasting studio. He does have a fairly strong base, it's true. We wouldn't want to upset those people. No. Well, I agree with that. I think, you know, it's just too quippy and like trying really, really hard to such a degree that Actually, it's just really annoying. It's that kind of um, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool style, like everyone's a smart Alec. Everyone's speaking really, really fast and trying to make jokes out of everything that everyone else has said. Looking good, Francis. Well rested. Like you've been pitching, not catching. The idea of a hot retort seems to be like the driving force behind all dialogue. Mm. And actually, that's just not how anyone speaks and is quite uncomfortable to listen to. And as you say, straight off the bat, that's juxtaposed against what seems to be actually quite a, to some extent, interesting premise and mature plotline with this kind of loop and the deterioration of another world and kind of, it's all set on this, the island of Black Reef used to be, a, I think, an airbase. Mm. So there's this sort of military background and history to the island. And the characters themselves, which we'll get onto, who we'll get onto, mm. have some interesting, if very caricatured, elements to them. Yeah, definitely. I love the cast of characters in it. Even down to the unnamed goons have their own kind of personality. So there are sort of like levels to the people that you're going up against in this game. Like they're just nameless goons. Like there's no um, different level of, of enemies, although they do increase in difficulty as the game moves on. Do they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that because I wasn't sure. It's not 
it's not stated like explicitly but they seem to well i definitely didn't notice that really? i thought like god these guys would you know a stiff wind would blow them over stiff wind would blow. no that's I definitely as you go as you go on in the game like they have um better weapons and they're dropping different like trinkets and and all this sort of thing but you can overhear their dialogue and they've got a lot to say and they have lots of funny lines when you're kind of sneaking around and listening to what they say if you see him just use a fucking radio he's down there somewhere i don't know that and every morning i'm gonna wake up next to you idiots well if something bad happens there's always tomorrow that's it that's it now you're just gonna go make coffee i like coffee Shit. Oh, what about Mikhail? That drunk idiot who tried to pee on me? Come over here. And they're quite combative with each other and with the other set of people, the leaders, the visionaries, who are like the leaders of the island of this kind of cult that they've got going on here. And each of these visionaries is pretty crazy in, in their own way. Some of them are geniuses, genius scientists, evil geniuses, that kind of thing. Some of them are just crazy artists or... Yeah, they've all been interviewed by some sort of magazine, which I assume is what you were riffing on with the intro. Yeah, well, that's Juliana, because her job as a visionary is director of comms. The reason that she does those interviews with everyone is... The 62nd minute or something it's called? The 62nd minute, it's called. I don't really know why. Because all minutes are 60 I seconds. guess so. <laughs> She's trying to get the goons on board with the cult that's going on, so she wants to like present the visionaries as these as these great people. But they're all quite combative. So as in a normal game, you might expect the goons to be like completely deferential to these people. In this game, you overhear them and they're like, "Oh, what's that person been doing? Like, we don't care." In some little subplots, they're trying to like overthrow them and wheedle their way in, like behind their backs and all that kind of thing. So there's quite a like a chaotic vibe to the enemies in this game. Like, there's not much unity between them all. Well, you, of course, are one of those visionaries. Mm. So there's, I think there's nine in total, if you include you, because otherwise there's eight, right? You have to kill eight to get off the island. Yeah, that's a key point as well. Juliana's obviously one of the key ones. It's kind of you and her are the, obviously, main two characters. But then there's this guy, Igor... Dr. Wenji Evans, who's a sort of crazy scientist. Who who was it, Igor again? What's his kind of role? Igor's the one, he's always in Wenji's shadow a little bit. So he wants to be a genius as well. But everyone thinks that he's just a bit of a tryhard and Wenji's the actual genius. Well, that's rubbed off because I remembered very well that Wenji Evans was a genius yeah. scientist. Whereas Igor, I was like, who the fuck is Igor? Yeah. So he's got a massive chip on his shoulder because of that. Okay. Documenting on this tape, my first day. Ah, shit. I have to record this again tomorrow. Uh, 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 well, my path on the first day. Uh, oh, yeah. Igor, make them respect you. Fear, fear, fear. Right. And then there's Harriet Morse. Harriet's like the leader of the cult, right? Mm. So she's doing this massive ritual sacrifice on the first day. Mm -hmm. well, there is only one day, but the morning of the day. Although they do call it the first day as well, don't they? And initially you think it is the first day and then you learn through various logs that it's not the first day. It's just always the first day, right? No, but it's not actually the first day, is it? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. But you're the only one to remember, right? So Juliana and Colt are the only characters who remember that they're reliving the same day over and over again. And everyone else's memory is like wiped and as if they're just, it's the first day for them. But this is a new thing for you as Colt as well, right? Because... Presumably Colt's just been living this day over and over again, killing Juliana, hence she's a bit pissed off about it. And Juliana 
has remembered every single time, whereas Colt, for some reason, is only just starting to remember. And that's the point you join the game. Mm, exactly. That's the point you join the game, is you as the character Colt. It's like the first time this has happened. But pretty rapidly, Juliana's like, this has happened like so many times. You just can't remember. Yeah. But when she says this has happened so many times, I always thought she was saying that you've remembered. You keep saying like, ah, no, because I've got the key. And she's like, what, you think this is the first time you've got the key? Or like, ah, no, because I remembered this person's name and now I know the location. And she's like, what, you think you haven't remembered that before? Mm. Like, yeah, that's the whole way through to the point where I was like, oh, this is going to be some sort of massive twist, which I suppose maybe in some ways there is towards mm. the end. But let, let's, let's hold off on that. So continuing with the characters, you've got Harriet, who's like the cult leader doing that crazy thing. Mm -hmm. Rambling Frank Spicer. You a big fan of his, I gather. Rambling Frank. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he just, he provides the soundtrack to the game very, very egotistically, does the radio show for the island and then just plays like all of his own tunes that he's recorded. Sitting in a bar, there's this girl. She demands a smoke. Hey girl, you're a joke. But there's one little audio clip of him talking to a doctor and being like, so you can get my voice back, right, Doc? And the doctor's like, no, sorry, like, Frank, your voice is it's fucked, it's not, it's not coming back. And he's like, what the hell's the whole point in this place anyway? Like, blah, blah, blah. So he's quite a tragic, comic character. Yeah, and then you got Charlie Montague, who thinks himself the kind of computer whiz, the super nerd, the guy who's like the hacker of the island, and he's created this, um, well, he's actually split his own mind <laughs> with an AI uh, that's called 2-Bit. Mm. Sometimes in the game it's Charlie and sometimes it's 2-Bit, but they're kind of the same, one and the same, mm. sort of. They're separate physical entities, but two sides of the, of the same personality. Mm. So Charlie's taken the empathic part of his brain and put it in 2-Bit, so he's left as this quite psychotic person. Yeah, but that means that you can actually uh, sort of rationalise 2-Bit and like appeal to his yeah, better yeah. nature, even though he's an mm. AI. Yeah, interesting, interesting. It's kind of like a reversal of the idea that the AI is just the machine, the emotionless machine, and the humans, the mm. human. This guy puts all his human traits in the machine. Yeah. <laughs> and then fear. He's just pretty, he's quite violent person. It's really, so I was thinking about this as I was going through the character list, being like, I can't really remember much about fear. I know, I obviously remember one element of mm. fear, but I don't want to get there because it's sort of a bit later in the pod. I mean, maybe this is just one of those things we're going to have to, we're going to have to plow on with a little bit. But yeah, that's the main thing I remember about fear. It's the thing I'm not going to say. <laughs> well, yeah, me, me too. Because like, actually the relationship, and I broke this on Twitter as well, you might have seen, but for me, the relationship between fear and Charlie and 2-Bit was my favourite little character triangle in the whole game. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more later. Beyond that, does she have like a specific role? Everyone else seems to have some sort of purpose, like, you know, the scientist, the cult leader, the head of security that you are. Juliana was the archivist. It's like, what's Fia's role? Like dress up, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> Set, design. Set design. All the goons are like covered in paint and they've all got these like wacky costumes, some of them. It seems to me that she's in charge of like the visual, what everyone looks like on, on the island. Yeah, well, she does a great job because, you know, they look really funky. Strong, they do look really, really funky. <laughs> it's a good look, yeah. And then there's um, the final one I had mentioned is Alexis. Alexis Dorsey, uh, yeah. who's kind of the sort of, he's just constantly having this party on one corner of the island in a sort of eyes wide shut vibe. This is Alexis Dorsey, Eon program visionary and 
Although, when I first heard there was a masquerade ball going on, I was thinking, oh, hello, what's going on over at Alexis? And then you get that, everyone's just having a drink at the bar and dancing to shit music. It's pretty tame. It's the tamest party I've ever seen, yeah. There's one room where someone's just playing the piano, isn't there? And people are kind of just milling around, not really doing much. Yeah, well, the most interesting part of that, the thing is, right, as I'm saying this stuff, I'm like, if I was playing for the first time, these are the moments that I'm about to share that I really enjoyed, that I was like, oh, that's really nice. That's a nice little bit for them to put in. So maybe we should just say, do you know what? If you're going to play it, go and play it. Otherwise, listen to the pod. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right, because the way that the game unravels is that you're discovering how you can kill all of these visionaries in one day, um, because some kind of science means that the loop is connected to part of them. They're connected to the loop somehow. So eliminating them eliminates the loop, but fail to eliminate any of them and the loop will then carry on the next day and you'll wake up on the first day again. I love the some kind of science well, that you went with there. You know. Just that's what the game does as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely no science to this game whatsoever. It's just no. a loose premise. It's an excuse for you to do the same thing over and over again and play out this interesting sort of detective angle. Yeah, kind of like Lost, but it doesn't try and be serious. The, the TV show Lost. You know, there's that. Yeah, I know. All right. I'm just trying to think in what way it's like. Well, that. you know, like the shadow monster is never really explained in that. <laughs> Not a shit on your reference, but I don't get it. It's classic. There's that YouTube video, which is uh, which is like all the things which weren't explained and lost. And it's just like so many things. But the biggest magic one is just that shadowy smoke monster. Just never explained. I really liked Lost. I guess I just still have a few questions about it. Like, why did the monster kill the pilot? What did Loxie when he first saw the smoke? What's with the polar bear in Walt's comet? Where is Christian Shepard's body if it's not in the casket? Why did the psychic say that Claire had to fly on Oceanic Flight 815? And why did he insist that her son had to be raised by Claire? Why did the others want Walt so badly? Who sent Kate the letter telling her about her mother being treated for cancer in the hospital? How does Walt know about the hatch? And why does he warn Locke not to open it? Why does the smoke monster make mechanical sound? How is Walt able to apparate before Shannon? How did Don't Walt be like Lost fans. Atting us now, saying exactly what the shadow monster was. Do you think they're still around? Surely they're like Game of Thrones fans now and they've got bigger problems. It's true, it's true. You're right, I don't think we'll get much of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that being the case, we are just going to talk about it all because by its nature, it's a time, you know, you, you are reliving the same moment over and over again. It all takes place within a day. It's not linear. Like, I can't sort of talk to you up to the end and then be like, hey, it's spoiler time. No, mm. spoilers are like throughout the entire thing. Mm. So that being the case, there is a great moment when you get to uh, <laughs> Alexis's party and is it Eagle with the invisibility slab? I think so, yeah. Which we haven't talked about. Basically, there are a load of abilities, I think it's seven or something like that, which are called slabs, or you get them from slabs that are like devices you strap to yourself and they give you a power. And we'll go through those powers in a minute, but one of them's invisibility. And you get there and Eagle's trying to convince everyone that he's conducting a seance. And they're like, no, nah, I don't believe it or whatever. And then obviously he puts on his invisibility device to try and like be like oh yeah there's like movement or whatever but they've got a blocker they kind of predict that he's going to do it and they've got one of those i can't remember what they're called like an ability blocker there's a word for it in the game and so he gets caught out and humiliated and it's a classic example of like oh Igor, there he goes again <laughs> can't even pull off his little stunt at the party effectively 
Should we go through those slabs while we've referenced them? I think it's actually a credit to the game that so far we've just talked about the characters and the story because obviously there's a game that you're playing here as well, but it's not, I don't think, the most interesting part. Although it's fun, I'm not staying really for the gameplay in this one. But yeah, so in a classic, well, maybe not classic FPS style, certainly Dishonored is like this, right? Where you have different abilities that you can use so each of those slabs like if you played Dishonored I mean yeah it rips this straight from Dishonored the teleport in this it's called Shift mm. can't remember what it's called in Dishonored but I wouldn't even be surprised if it's called Shift again it's the exact exact same thing it appears Blink maybe oh yeah it is Blink in Dishonored well remembered mate mm. you saw the little cranks of my head whirring then I kind of like looked off into the distance I was like I'm not letting this one pass <laughs> narrating your own experience for our listeners it's a good shout Save that for when we do one of those like listen backs to all of our episode with commentary from us about how we put them. Mm. That we'll be charging a shit ton of money on a Patreon for that in a few years down the road, mate. Has anyone ever done that? Done a commentary of a podcast? I guess you'd have to do a video of the podcast and then have us listen to it a video of us listening to it and then commenting over the top yeah it would be something like that well the reason you know i'm dropping that though right because basically i sent Taylor this message during the week of like this other podcast that's really pissed me off because the original guys who did it did west wing weekly incredible amazing amazing podcast series if you're a fan of west wing highly recommend it um yeah not more than this finish this first but uh definitely listen to that But then after that series finished, obviously they didn't have much to talk about. So they tried some other stuff and now they're just like, yeah, so now we're just going to watch stuff and commentate on it. And you can watch it with us if you pay us money. But the lowest tier on their Patreon is four quid a month just to see the archived content of them watching someone else's content and talking about it. Four pound, not even live. I was like, mate, this is taking a piss. And it went up into hundreds, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that got my blood pressure up. Yeah, it did. We'll never sink so low. (laughs) Nah. You have (laughs) subbed though, right, listeners? Yeah. That's all we ask. (laughs) It's a lot cheaper than four pound a month, I'll tell you that. It's three (laughs) pounds. Yeah, and Patreon take about half of that. (sighs) Right. Sorry. Back to the game. We were talking about mechanics and how it's not what you're here for. So yeah, there's a bunch of different weapons. There's tiered loot, so there's no time really that you're ever using the grey guns but they'll jam and then the next tier up won't jam. And I love that we're not even describing the tiers, just tiered loot. Everyone knows what that is. Yeah, they're, they're blue and purple and, uh, and yellow. And the epic ones, the purple ones will have like a certain ability that like makes someone bleed or tag them or something like that. And then on top of this, you've got all these trinkets, both for yourself as a character, maybe like double jump, for instance, is the first character trinket you get. Weapon trinkets, which you can put on that. And then those slabs that Ben was describing, which give you these different abilities. So yeah, there's this, all these kind of loadout choices which are there for you to make in the game. What did you think about all that stuff? Uh, well, this is kind of one of the areas that I alluded to at the start where I just struggled. I started to struggle a little bit because, I mean, again, just making a list of what those were and trying to remind myself before this pod started, I had the list of the names, but I can remember from the list of the names what they all are because they're not that memorable. Carnesis, Nexus, Masquerade, Reprise, Shift, Havoc, Ether. They're not great names. They're just a little bit sort of 
confusing. Yeah, maybe I've done the listeners a disservice, but because the way the time loop works is that initially, anyway, you lose everything. So it has a, a roguelike element. You lose everything when the time resets, but pretty swiftly you find a way to keep certain things, but there's a, an in-game cost for that. So you find this residium, which is the thing causing the time loop, and you can infuse items to always keep them. But that means that you're not going to keep everything. And because you can upgrade your slabs, I just use the same two yeah. throughout the entire game. Because you can only take two with you on a mission anyway. So Me too, pretty much. I think there was one, maybe one time when I thought, oh, actually, for the... I can remember what it is, actually. There's one way of getting into the bunker where um, Harriet is, and you go through this tunnel underneath, but she releases gas. So I took one of the trinkets that was, like, immunity to gas or whatever. So I swapped it out for that specific purpose. But in general, this was going to be one of my bugbears, is that it gives you all this stuff, but, like, actually, you just don't really need any of them. You don't really need any of them, like, at all. Mm. And just before this, uh, right, I should say, I keep saying just before this, and the reason I'm saying that is because it's actually been about three weeks or, yeah, like, I played this game straight after we recorded the last podcast, basically. Might have even started at the point we recorded that. Mm. So it feels like it's been ages since I played, so I needed to kind of, like, read my notes, sort of go over everything that I thought about it. And one of the elements that I did, just to remind myself of the visual, was um, watching the trailer for the game, and in the trailer, when I rewatched it, there's this string of abilities comboed with their weapons on like every single kill. At one point, a guy gets kicked, thrown in the air, and then sniped, like the same little guy. And at another point, three people are linked with Nexus and then blown up in sync. And then as they blow up, a third guy's like macheted in the head. And I was like, this stuff never happened in my game. I just sort of just shot them and they died. Okay. <laughs> That's essentially my experience as well. But did you have one of those combinations which you used? Because I found my combination, which was effective, stupidly effective, and then just stuck with it because, I don't know, that's what you do in games. There's another game which I really love called Duskers, which it reminded me of. Completely different game. But it's a game which I loved, but I felt was ruined by the fact that there was one really clear optimal way to play it and if you played any other other way you were just handicapping yourself mm. i felt the same about this i obviously went stealth driven <laughs> same. as soon as i started this i thought this is a game that's going to win for me it's first person shooter love them it's about time travel love it and you play as a detective <laughs> It's perfect. <laughs> Which, you know, who doesn't love playing as a detective? So I was on board with that. And then it's a stealth game on top of all that. I was just like, this is winning. Like, this is always going to be winning. So I played stealth and I had invisibility and I had shift, I think, as my main two. And towards the end, when I just honestly got like a little bit bored of that combo, because just it wasn't very interactive, then I started using the one that throws people around as well because mm. that was just a little bit more engaging to watch i think but like i said the enemies are just so they crunch like cardboard yeah there was no challenge per se to actually fighting them so it's more or less like the game just prompts you ah, do what you want which is fine and maybe um maybe it's on me to be more creative and inventive with how i kill them but then i think of a game like bullet storm which gave you lots of different ways of taking out enemies and rewarded you the more creative and inventive you were. So you had these crazy bombastic sequences in that game and 
I remember having an absolute blast. Every encounter, I was like, oh my god, yeah, and then I'll do this, and I'll throw him in the spikes, and then I'll kick him off the edge, and then I'll, like, whip him into the ground or whatever, because you knew that you were getting this treat, this reward at the end of it. Mm. Whereas in this, it's kind of like, yeah, you can do some of that stuff if you want, but to what end? Yeah. Short of sometimes you'll see a goon at the side of a cliff playing a guitar or something like that and you will want to sneak up behind them that one sequence that's once there's a guy playing a guitar at the edge of a cliff there's a few of them but yeah two or three right that is cool like it's a cool aesthetic and when you see it you're like yeah that is sweet and you can hear him rocking his guitar across the whole map which is Mm. awesome You can tell they've thought about that very specific man. Mm. But what, you think that's more of a trend than just an isolated... No, no, the opposite. I was making the same point, is that that's the only time you'll be like, okay, with this person, I am going to sneak up behind them and boot them in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think he's the guy in the trailer as well. And, And you'll get an achievement for that, which is cool. But like you say, the rest of the time. So I went Invisibility and Carnesis, which is one where you can throw people about. Same reason as you, it's visually pleasing and, and sometimes like the shit hits the fan and you're like, I just need to throw some people around to get out of the situation. <laughs> but but the thing with the invisibility that makes it so It's not a rule for life, is it that sometimes <laughs> shit hits the fan, I just need to throw some people around. Most of the upgrades for the slabs I didn't get, but the invisibility one, I got the one where your power doesn't go down. Um so it can last forever if you're stationary. And it doesn't deactivate when you attack, mm. which means you can just stand still, completely invisible, and you're like an invisible turret. And it's crazy because with those two upgrades, you shoot someone, and then even if there's like 10 enemies around you, they'll all just be like, huh, where did that happen? What, what's going on? And then you shoot the next one, they'll be like, where is he? Oh, I know he's somewhere around here. <laughs> and then you just So you basically just pick them off with zero, not that there's that much threat to your person anyway, but... Hearing you say that, just the dialogue from the enemies is so rote, isn't it? Yeah. Where is he? Huh? What's going on? Must have been the wind. <laughs> Better not be cult. Better not be cold. You back? Slowly. Where are you? Oh, better not be cold. I like the way they say that because these goons, they're not really up for fighting you. Like, this is a massive chore. They're on this island to have fun and this massive party. It's super inconvenient that you're there, like, ruining their fun, which I I quite like that. Because the day starts with Juliana saying, like, Mm. he's trying to kill you. You got to kill him first or whatever. Mm. She's a bit more articulate than I was just then. That's her. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. So you get all those abilities, but ultimately most of my deaths were pretty vanilla and fairly functional. I didn't feel super challenged and super inspired to use those abilities, Mm. but that felt like a big part of the game, especially when Residium is a resource that you only need to gather, really. You gather it from these sort of glimmering tears in the world that are sort of vaguely reminiscent of some of the parts of Control and also a game called Singularity, which Mm. I think was 2011, but I could be wrong. And yeah, you gather this Residium up, but the only reason for you to be gathering that is to keep all these abilities and to enhance all these abilities and to like upgrade your weapons. But I just didn't really 
see the necessity of that much. No, it had me with the like optimization of it. Like I did always use all of my residuum every day. Oh yeah, me too. Med- yeah, <laughs> but there was no point. Like literally, like the rapier, which is like the rifle in the game ridiculously powerful kills any goon in one hit and most bosses in three hits and that was the only gun i knew and i like i wanted there to be a reason for me to use the others but there wasn't (laughs) but that is interesting because so the combo i used weapon wise tended to be the nail gun because it was Mm. the only silenced weapon and i was trying to play south and then i unlocked the legendary smg pretty much on my first or maybe second i think it was my very first loop actually yeah um and it was so ludicrously overpowered that then, although I lost it at the end of that loop because I hadn't yet unlocked Residium and stuff, I just went back and got it and then played the whole rest of the game with that because it's absolutely insane. Honestly, I took down waves of people at bloody Alexis's wolf party or whatever and they just didn't stand a chance because the mm. gun was too overpowered. Which was weird, because I unlocked a couple of the other legendary weapons. The sniper, which is okay, you know, it does a lot of damage, but mm, it's just a one-shot kill like a lot of the other guns. And the pistol from Ramblin' Frank was crap. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a strong part of the game for me at all. It makes you want to have fun with them, but I did enjoy sneaking around. And, like, you can hack things as well. We haven't even mentioned the hackamajig, but... Yeah, but it's tame. It's a pretty well-worn mechanic. It's, like, the worst example of hacking yeah, in yeah. a game, really. It's literally point at item, hold button till it hacks. There's mm. no, like, not even a sort of hint of a minigame like you would get in, sort of, fucking Skyrim or whatever. <laughs> Instead... What's the lockpicking minigame? <laughs> that minigame is a joke. Yeah, but there's not even a hint of that or, like, having to release it within a certain window of time mm. or anything like that. It's just point hold it converts it unlocks to the point where it's just a bit annoying because you keep needing to switch to the hackamajig to use the hackamajig it's a minor obstacle that isn't i don't know what they put it in the game for yeah but but the love they've put into upgrading that so there's like there's trinkets where you can hack mines trinkets where the explosions from mines instead of doing damage they heal you trinkets to make the hackamajig run faster for your turrets to do more damage when you're near them and these trinkets by the way like they're not I mean, they are a, li- a little bit generic, but especially the epic ones, they've got quite nice flavor text on them that's, that's like entertaining and stuff. They've clearly put a lot of time into these, but you never use them. You never use them. And even if you did want to use them, because the game restricts you to only be able to wear four at any one point. Mm. So you obviously optimize for efficiency. Yeah. So one of them pretty much, if you don't take shift, is going to be, so that's teleport. If you don't take the teleport slab, then you're going to want double jump because otherwise your mobility is whack. So one of those four slots is already taken, essentially, mm. every single playthrough. Yeah. So then you've got three slots to choose from all these trinkets. It's like, you're obviously not going to mix it up. You're just going to pick the three that work and stick with it. Mm. It's pointless. Why did they limit you like that? They could I have had a, a quick wheel where you could choose from 10 or whatever. It would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, especially when if you die, you're starting back at the start of the loop, which, you know, like it's not the worst penalty in the world but you don't want to spend your whole life on this game so you are actually trying to get to the end of it but did you ever really die i think i only probably only died like twice in my entire playthrough when i didn't intend to something like that the only point where i'd get lackadaisical with my stealth or like just decide to shoot up an area for kicks was when i'd already got the thing i needed from that area Mm. and then i was just having a blast 
There was a couple of times where I got surprised, like the very first time you get the unlock residuum, that surprised me. When I was like, oh yeah, and then step into this thing and it's like a bolt of electricity or whatever just kills you immediately. I was like, oh shit, because I like, hadn't expected it and had like planned loads of other stuff. Actually, speaking of planning loads of other stuff, this brings me on to a slight other area of the game, which I was a bit disappointed by, is you think this idea of this sort of four time zones for you to work within and i think there's four or five different areas as well right four areas yeah four areas as well which we haven't named any of them but whatever there's four of them yeah and so you've got this sort of combination of areas and places that you can go to to get clues and depending on what time of day you go there different things happen and what you've done before that different things happen all that kind of stuff so I thought, oh, this is quite cool, actually. Like, I have to think quite a lot. I have to think, okay, so first I'm going to do this. So initially, I literally got out my little notepad. I was like, right, first I'm going to go here. Then I'm going to go do this thing. Then I'm going to go and grab that thing from this person. And when I switch over, I'll switch trinkets to get the gas protecting my lungs or whatever. You know, that kind of thought I was putting into it. But the game just tells you. It literally just tells you every single time. Like, oh, yeah, your objective's here. And this is where you need to go and why you need to go there. And I was kind of like, ah, all the detective elements just done for me. I'm just sort of walking through this these zones and each of them is a bit different because it's a different time of day but I'm still just following my way to an objective marker yeah I, I agree first of all I love it when a game gets you to pull your little notepad out I can't remember <laughs> the last time a game did that always a good moment to hear man the witness it's alright oh yeah the witness <laughs> fucking witness <laughs> <laughs> We're in a book with that bloody notepad. That's good. But I wanted to ask, because you must have been optimising pretty hard, because you said you finished the game in 12 hours, and it took me 20, 22 hours, maybe, something like that. So I was like, is this your super detective skills that have helped you complete this game efficiently? Because, yeah, it does just tell you where to go, but, man, I, I was not at the same level in terms of speedrunning this thing. Uh, I don't know why that should have been. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely some secrets I didn't resolve. Like, I encountered a guy in one of the areas just off a beach in a cave, mm. and he, like, trapped me in this locked room, and it said above his head, like, unknown man. And then he plays a recording of you, like, torturing someone, maybe him, I guess, I'm not sure. Oh, wow, I didn't even find that. Oh, really? Yeah. It's you. It's really you. Um, hi. Hello, cult. Remember this room? Remember all the interviews? And so there's this recording and the room gets locked and gas fills the room and you have to do this sort of mini game and this like sequence of switches to get yourself out. And I did and I was immediately really intrigued. Like, oh, who is that guy? Like, how do I figure out what his story is? Blah, blah, blah. But I didn't actually resolve it. And I'm not sure if that's because I didn't think enough about it or if... It was just meant to be a little sort of tantalising tease. Mm, I don't know, because there were quite a few secrets which um, were visible. You could see they were there, like a secret room with a triple locked door on it and you need the code for all three of the locks. Oh, yeah. Did you get in that room? No, no. no I, I only I found the one code. But there wasn't any clues there, I didn't feel, to where the rest of the codes might be. just felt like potluck whether you happened to stumble upon them in wandering around yeah. and the things which you can interact with often like a clipboard with some notes on it or a letter or whatever aren't super well signposted and you know like i don't mind this like i remember in desperados we were like well you play with highlight the interactive objects on and like you're gonna play with it on because you don't want to miss any of them and i think that's always a bit of a shame 
But in this, it's kind of a little bit too far the other way. It's the opposite, isn't it? Yeah. Because there's loads of these same models, notepads, etc. You walk around the room just hitting X, assuming you might be able to interact with stuff. Exactly, yeah. You're hoovering like, um, well, fortunately, it's not like Fallout, where it's like, oh, click in that box, get it all in my inventory. Click in that box, get it all in my inventory. But this, it's like, yeah, you're just waiting to see it. Don't diss Fallout, mate. I long for the next Fallout when I'm, <laughs> when I'm doing that, and it's not 76. You are lewd across loot hoover in fallout it's like wh- when am i using these bullets or screws or whatever it is that i'm picking up bits of weed oh, great game so like you say the main story you don't feel well i did feel a bit like a detective even though it told me where to do it but that's mostly because of the really good ui that it has for it. or good it's like it's fun isn't it like you can see all the little leads and it's like their little photos from a disposable camera and you don't like it sort of but shall i tell you what i actually thought this whole idea was so similarly modeled on the outer wilds Uh, yeah i was gonna mention it too and the outer wilds was so much better in the way Mm. it managed it it was just way more rewarding yeah and i know that i had a few gripes with that game at the time but in comparison, in terms of like the cerebral nature of that game and like mm. trying to put things together, and like I think one of my gripes with that game was that sometimes it wasn't clear what the next yeah. clue was and where to go. Whereas in this, everything is so heavily placed. Mm. You know, everything is signposted. Like you say, the time, the location that you need to do to fulfill essentially the quest to get onto the next quest of that quest line for the visionary that you're tracking, and then not only that, but when you're in the level itself you'll have that little orange square on your screen so that you can go towards it. And occasionally, to be honest, somewhat annoyingly, it's like, it's in this area sometimes, and it will usually be a room, and then you'll go through the motions, which we just described, of hovering over everything in that room until you find the thing that you're looking for. Yeah, Wenji's lab was the worst for that. Mm. Oh, man alive. I swear down, I kept going back to that same lab because I couldn't find one document or one audio log or something that I'd missed. But yeah, Outer Worlds, it wasn't just the tree, the sort of detective tree of clues that is similar. It's also similar in the kind of endless deaths, the nature mm. of the loop, mm. the idea of memory, which is a cool idea. That I think I feel like Outer Worlds may have pioneered that. I don't think I encountered it before that. The idea that you as the player obviously have a memory. Mm. So to give your character the ability of memory. It's like a cool little device where it's like, oh shit, yeah, I am playing a loop, but I am actually remembering what happened last time. <laughs> yeah. So whereas Outer Wilds, it's quite knowing in that, isn't it? That you've got the memory as the player. Whereas in Death Loop, it kind of weaves it into the narrative a little bit more. That you find out, I can't remember if we even said at the start, this isn't the first time that you've been through this. And eventually you start to meet other versions of Colt, which are kind of slipping through time and you can see that you've gone one way as the player but you might have become a hideous drunken wreck or yeah just become suicidal or whatever it is Mm. well on the one hand that's an example of the game being overly simplistic in that sort of detecting that narrative Mm. at the same time i also think for a game where loop time looping is the main factor I would have thought they'd been a lot more conscious of the idea of like repetition and diminishing returns than they actually are. So by the end, even though it's quite a short run through, I was just sprinting because I knew the areas. I knew what happened in the areas. They're not big areas. You know, they're not super expansive. You can get familiar with them with like one or two playthroughs tops. 
And then I was just sprinting to my mm. objectives because I was just getting to the end, getting the thing and then moving on to the next area to do the next thing. Mm. You know, the whole premise of the game is that it's a loop. So if you're writing that game, you would think that you would place a lot more intricacy and a lot more emphasis on creating nuances and little experiences that one player might have and another player might not because they weren't there at that exact time in that exact version of the loop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, whereas Outer Wilds, the whole thing is it's just incredibly crafted, like clockwork time machine where you feel like at any point in it, you're seeing something different. Yeah, this, not so much. The levels are different between the different time zones, but Mm. not massively so, not massively so. You don't feel like they're really, really rich with um, interesting moments, as you say. The interesting moments are highlighted for you as part of the quests which it gives to you. Yeah, but it's not just those moments that are kind of choreographed. It's also like just the general, the dialogue of the Eternalists. Like I'd have liked more variety. Their movement patterns, which were unbelievably basic, like more basic than fucking Commandos was back in the day. You know, they move a few yards, stand still, turn around, move a few yards in the other direction. Mm. Honestly, they just don't cross the map yeah, at all. That's a good point. They move kind of within your field of view the entire time. And then you get to Alexis's party, for instance, where there's this epic dj rave or whatever Mm. and it's pretty much the same four bars of music going round and round and round you're in that area for quite a long time it's great so like i don't know the track changed or like a different dj came on or like there's one moment within that scene actually you're actually in charge of the dj's machine like the sort of interface or the controller and so you're there and you've got all the pads in front of you you can hit them in a different order and actually it's one of the ways you can kind of unlock revealing who he is in this masked this masked ball Mm. but actually when you push those buttons the audio doesn't really change that much. It changes sort of negligibly. Mm. And I was pushing buttons all over the shop, being like, ah, oh, drop out the drums. No, it can't do it. Drop out this. Or oh, bring in a whole new element. No, it's just so limited. It's like you've literally built this feature into a moment in the game, and then you've just let it fall flat. I was disappointed with that. Like, I was annoyed with that music after about 20 seconds of hearing it, and you're in that area for about 20 minutes. So that was annoying. Yeah, it wants to be, well, I never thought I'd be praising Hitman, but it wants to be like Hitman in those sorts of moments, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. An interesting way to reveal the character so that you can then kill the character. Yeah. But because it lends itself more to just a a firefight, because as soon as you've been noticed, like that's kind of it, isn't it? At that point, you're all guns blazing. Which actually I quite like in some games when the stealth breaks it's really annoying and you have that sense of like, how could that possibly have seen me? Like, there's no way he'd have known I was here or like the line of sight isn't there. And, you know, that's a frustration in and of itself. In this game, you don't really get that. It's like when a stealth mm. breaks, you're kind of like, huh, all right. Well, I've got a shit ton of ghoul cunts and I'll just take people out with them instead. And that's kind of fine. I actually kind of like that. Mm. But I was reminded the whole way through and I think the dialogue, the sort of Borderlands style jokes, which I've already talked about, I think that sort of writing and also these repetitions and the objective markers and the small areas 
just reminded me the whole time that I was just playing a game. The whole time I was playing a game, I didn't feel like I'd fulfilled the role of Cole. I didn't feel like I was Cole. I felt like I was just going through the motions. Mm. If you contrast that with a game like Half-Life or a game like The Last of Us, both amazing shooters, well, The Last of Us third-person shooter, but still, when you finish those games, it's almost like you emerge from beneath some sort of fluid and you sort of like breathe deeply and you're like crap where have i actually just been for like the last few hours that's incredible whereas this it's kind of like i just didn't feel engaged with it almost i felt like i could just pick up and put down my controller whenever it didn't really matter what was going on, on the screen it wasn't an important moment do you know what i mean mm. that i just felt was a bit disappointing because even dishonored i felt way more engaged with the plot and the story in that game and like the revolution and the assassinations that you were about to do. I really wanted to do those and I had a motivation to want to do them. Whereas in this, I don't know, I feel like I'm being too harsh, but because mm. I did enjoy it, like I say, but it just felt hollow in a way. Yeah, yeah, the story definitely didn't capture me in the same way as some of those other games that you mentioned. It did capture me more than the Dishonored games because I mean, these games are really, really popular. So I know that I'm a bit of an outlier here, but I really couldn't get into either Dishonored. I haven't completed either, but I've probably spent like... Oh, mate, that is a shame. Yeah, I've probably spent like 10 hours with each or something like that. And I just couldn't get into them. So it, whereas with this one I did, I did get into it and I wanted to complete it. Would you be tempted to revisit Dishonored now you've played this and enjoyed it? I don't know. That's enough. But the thing which did end up carrying it for me was the relationship between Colt and Juliana. But I'm guessing from the sounds of it that for you, they didn't really move past the initial slightly unrealistic banter that they had. I felt like their dialogue got better and better as the game went on. I did. And actually, I really looked forward to starting each level because it's only right at the start that you get the dialogue between them. Yeah. I ended up finding it really, really entertaining, which I didn't at the start. Oh, that's cool then. Maybe it's just me. Maybe other players will have enjoyed it a lot more like you, mm. that dialogue. How long have I been here? Look, I know you know, so just hit me with it. No games. 17 years. 17 years. Okay. The first time. Wait, what? Yeah, you actually escaped the island back in the 50s and then volunteered to come back with us. What the fuck would I do that? You just couldn't stay away. You love this place. Fuck! We should spoil the game now, right? Yeah, well, we're talking about Juliana, so I think it's the ideal time to do that. Mm. And, okay, so two points here. One, and maybe the biggest one, Juliana, despite the nature of your dialogue throughout the game, very much this implication, maybe even explicitly suggested, that she's like a former lover yeah. that has got like a lover's tiff with you, which she never corrects you on, even though you imply that a lot. And I think probably do say it at times. And like Colt, certainly, because he speaks aloud to himself sometimes, he kind of references like angry exes or whatever. And you get that hint. She never corrects you on that the whole way through, but she's just your daughter. Just your daughter. That's fine. A little bit of incestuous dialogue. I liked that twist. I knew you'd like it, Taylor. We all knew you'd like it. (laughs) No, I I liked it because it kind of captured... You're right. Like, it's not just, like, us as male gamers bringing that to the relationship that they have. Like, it is heavily implied with the game that Colt himself thinks, like, ah, like, was this a love interest? Like, is this a love interest now? Am I flirting with this person, like, at the start of every level? There's that kind of sexual tension there, isn't there? But then that's the reveal. Yeah. I don't know it's tension, but yeah, it's sexual weight to everything that's being said. Sexual weight. Yeah, probably not tension. 
But then, yeah, she's your daughter. And I kind of think that's quite a good, like, pulling the rug from under his manliness. It's like, haha, you just instantly fancied this person because, like, she's a woman there to fancy. And she turns out to be your daughter. But, I mean, you would assume that someone isn't your daughter. Like, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But, I don't know. That was just quite a nice little pulling the rug under your feet, which I enjoyed. Well, I suppose from her perspective, some of the snide remarks she makes about relationships and stuff are more about her Mm. mother, I suppose. But you actually seem to have been genuinely totally in love with her mother. Like, Mm. you were kind of this player up until the point that you met her, it seems, at least. Yeah. It's something like that. Like, I'm sure it's there in the game if you look hard enough and find all the little pieces of lore and stuff. But it kind of seems to be that although it was a sincere relationship, you maybe made quite bad decisions with regard to Black Reef and what you were doing there. So either you were there as a soldier previously and that meant that you weren't with the mum or... Do you know what I mean? Like, you did something in this former time loop life. I mean, you don't seem like a good guy, though, do you? Not particularly. The whole way through the game, you seem like kind of a jumped-up prick. You're a bit of a waste man, yeah. I mean, you literally wake up hungover and being sick in the first day. Mm. That's, you know, an adult, a fully grown adult. (laughs) Just dissing Mm. my listeners again. (laughs) It's fine if that is you. That's fine. I'm not judging. But, you know, this guy wakes up like that and then he proceeds to just feel like the world's doing him down Mm. while he's kind of just being a bit of an egotist the whole way through. Yeah. So I think Juliana's right to be pissed off with him it seems to me especially because from her perspective he is literally just waking up and killing her repeatedly over and over again yeah for sure and he's doing that and has done that like multiple times in the different memory loops if you want to call them that for him but she's into it as well it's a weird kind of like psychotic well yeah it it is kind of psychotic but it's like her... Sort of sadomasochism going on. Yeah, like... Now we're into terror territory. I mean, I don't... Hell yeah! <laughs> I don't rate Freud, obviously. Incest and sadomasochism. Here he comes. Obviously, I don't rate Freud, but it sounds like it could be straight from Freud, right? Like, the daughter who wants to kill their dad over and over again as many times as they want. There must be something written about these sorts of things. So, yeah, it's pretty fucked up, anyway. Put it that way. Yeah. Well, so, you are actually killing her... As I understand it, because you're tr- you were trying to free her from the loop, and at the end when you track her down, that is what you do, right? You, well, that's what I did. Mm. I should ask how you ended it. Mm. Although that being said, this moment in the game really wound me up <laughs> because the line of dialogue is, and I quote, "You still have a choice," right? Mm. That's her line of dialogue, and then she says, "Take the pistols," and this is the moment where you're meant to kill her, right? And so I was like, no, not gonna, not gonna take the pistols. Don't want to kill you. Yeah, that's my choice. I'm making my choice. No, you can't do anything if you don't take the pistols. You have to take the pistols. I was like, don't say as a game to me, the player, you still have a choice and then don't give me a choice. That was... But you choose not to take the shot, right? That's different. That's later. Ah, come on. Nah, it says pick up the pistols. And I was like, no, I don't want to pick up the pistols. It just defers the choice, but it's true. I mean, you are technically right, but the point at which the game gives you that choice is not pulling the trigger. But I'm guessing you pulled the trigger. They should have just changed the placement. Yeah, I was so angry by this point. I was like, give me the damn guns. I'm going to blow your head off. You pulled the trigger on one. (laughs) One. (laughs) (laughs) It was, actually, I think. Wow, that is amazing. (laughs) Uh, I like that moment because I hadn't made up my mind until that moment. And on three, I was like, okay, I'll do it. And shot her. 
So I felt a little bit of what caught them. But yeah, at that point, you can either not shoot her, in which case, presumably, she shoots you and then the loop continues. Or you shoot her and just kind of like sit down and wait for the loop to end, which is the, the same outcome. Or you can uh, then, after shooting her, kill yourself by like jumping down and then you've broken the loop. Yeah. That was three, right? That was three. Or, uh, I mean, this is the same option as killing um, Juliana at this point. Apparently, before you even get... Because I looked up the ending, so that's the only reason I know. Before you even get to the dialogue with her, you can shoot her from a distance. And that kills her as well. That's quite nice. But when you kill her before you even get to her, assuming you can do that, does that reset the loop? Or does that break the loop? No, you, at that point, you've still got the same option as if you shot her with the pistols, which is like, wait for the loop to end so that it resets, or kill yourself and break the loop. Right. But if you kill yourself, you don't actually die, do you? No. This is the kind of big risk which Juliana's kind of like put it on you. She's like, if you break the loop, if you kill all the visionaries, kill me, kill you, how do you know that you're going to wake up the next day? And he's like, well, it's worth the risk kind of thing. Because potentially at that point, it could all actually just be dead in reality. But what in fact happens is that you will wake up, but for the last time. Yeah, and she forgives you. And she just walks away. Mm. That's the end and I got anyway. Yeah, same. And then I took my customary picture of the credits and sent it to Taya. Yeah, indeed. But there's an element of the game we haven't talked about. Is it? Do you know what it is? I do not. I'll give you a clue. It's called multiplayer. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's a huge part. Well, I mean, not a huge part. Is it a huge part? I hope it's not a huge part because every time I fucking tried to do it, PS5 was like, can't connect a server, can't connect a server, can't establish connection. So I ended up just not playing it. Oh, no. So I hope it wasn't a big part. I assumed it's not a big part because having seen how Juliana interrupted my game, so Juliana just appears in a certain zone at a certain time, apparently at random during your playthrough, and you just have to fend her off no matter what the circumstances. But it takes like one minute and then you just carry on. A bit of a non-event, I thought. Uh so the alternative playthrough and the multiplayer element is that you can be Juliana in other people's games. Mm. And I, I get the impression that you enjoyed this perhaps more than I thought I was going to. No? Oh, he's shaking his head. No, he didn't. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, it's like they do this in Dark Souls, like you can invade other people's worlds and suddenly there's another player there like attacking you. It's pretty exciting when it happens in Dark Souls, but you're also probably going to turn it off most of the time. In this, obviously I left on the online mode just to see what it was like. Juliana comes in, murked me three times. Like I had no chance against it. Like what was going on here? So I wasn't just going to leave that on. I turned it straight off. Like I wanted to complete the game. Yeah. And when you completed the game, then did you decide to play as Juliana in other people's games? I'm afraid I've got no excuse other than that I forgot. <laughs> well, no, that's fine. But I would say that's not on you. That's like, you know, the game didn't inspire you to want to play as Juliana and it didn't me either. So when I got disconnected, I was like, ah. Screw it. It's not a mechanic that makes sense to me. This is a single player game. If I want some like first person multiplayer thrills. Nah, but it was going for the sort of left for dead vibe of like, you can be the zombies in another player's survival run. We made it. I can't believe we made it. Son, we just crossed the street. Let's not throw a party until we're out of the city. Or you can be doing the survival run while zombies raid your world. Yeah, you know but it's I mean? not. It's, it's literally just a 1v1 <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. death match. Yeah, it's just a random little bit of PvP shoved in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it didn't rework really for me either. I think they either need to flesh that out for us. I assume they will make a sequel because I think it was pretty positively received. Mm, I think it won a big game awards or at least was nominated for them. And I kind of hope they do in a way. Would I play a sequel? 
I don't know. I, in some ways, I'd just way rather that the Arcane Studio was focused on Prey, which was brilliant. This is Morgan. The year is 2035. Please listen. This isn't a dream. It's a nightmare. So I don't know that I would want... I never played it, so I can't comment, but... Oh, really? No, I, re- I really want to. I heard that it was, it was brilliant. Oh, man, it's so good. But you didn't like Dishonored, so I'm kind of like, well, do you even like games? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'll tell you what, if you like Bioshock... Have you played the Bioshock trilogy? Again, they're not for me. <gasps> Teo! Teo, don't admit that on the pod. No. I enjoyed Bioshock. I just, I didn't get why. Like Bioshock, <sighs> it was the third one that stuck with me the most. And that did have like... The third one? Yeah. Yeah, it's the best game. It's the best in the trilogy. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, it was good. And the story was good and stuff. But like something about the way the games play, like it's just not quite for me. Have you ever seen a vagina by itself? Not for me. I think you don't really like a scary game, though, do you? I do. I do like a scary game. What scary game have you enjoyed? Mm. Don't say The Forest, because we both agreed it wasn't scary after the first 20 minutes. I said it was scary, and you said what? But yeah, you know, not, after, not after a little while. Also, that just makes my point. Like, you say you like a scary game, but then your example of a scary game is The Forest. Mm, well, I can't think of an example of another thing. You wouldn't play, like, Outlast or something, would you? What's that? A scary game. <laughs> then maybe not. I definitely don't have a conscious thing against scary games, so maybe we should play more of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've pretty much covered it now there, then. And we're getting towards the end. The only thing I haven't mentioned, which I said I would mention, is the weird love triangle between Fear, Charlie, and 2 Oh, yeah, you promised that one Twitter listener. Go on. It's weird. I <laughs> did I'm not doing this for the, the Twitter listener. But if you did want to be a Twitter listener, that's a new thing apparently. But if you did want to be a Twitter listener, you could visit at pixelviz, twitter.com forward slash pixelviz. Mm. Yes, indeed. Where Teo has become, he's coming into his own out there. He's posting his own memes and stuff. I saw one today where it's like, oh yeah, someone on Halo shooting me with an AR from across the map. Be like... And then a little image with a quip on it. Yeah, it's a co- combination of, of my girlfriend being away in Morocco and my girlfriend sending me all the fun memes that she finds. So I have the time to be on Twitter because she's not here and I have the memes to share on Twitter because she's sending them to me. Does she want to take over the social media feed? She'd probably be quite good at it. Yeah, yeah she, she would be. So yeah, fear Charlie and 2-Bit. Essentially, well, we said that Charlie removed a bit of his brain and put it in 2-Bit, but there's the kind of like really unhealthy relationship between the two of them. It's like fear had like convinced Charlie to take out a bit of his brain because she thought it'd be good. And then he's like, you told me to do that. But when you assassinate, well, when, when you kill them both, they're together, like in their little love nest somewhere mm. on one of the maps. Yeah. In a love nest, which is a bunker mm. that you can flood, but it's really difficult to flood ways. You could just kill them really easily. I've tr- flooded it the first time and I died and then the second time I was like, oh, there must be a way of flooding it and not dying. So I flooded it the second time and I died. And so then I was like, I'm just going to shoot them in the face. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there is a way to kill them with flooding and not die. But presumably you like waited and heard all their dialogue at that moment and stuff. And I actually felt really sorry for Charlie. I was like, oh my God, you've been manipulated into taking out a bit of your brain, which has not only meant that I'm going to be able to end this loop by like convincing your robot half to betray you mm. but also just you've been you've been well and truly shafted here their fate will be in each other's hands as they decide 
whether to share or to shaft. So yeah, just wanted to shout out for that little triangle. Yeah. Things we do for a sexy girl, eh, Ter? Yeah. Speak for yourself. Huh? <laughs> you don't do anything. Not a thing. Not a thing, me. Pure as the driven snow. Is that a phrase? <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a phrase. Never understood what it meant, though. What is driven snow? Oh, I think it means like when it's drifted. Uh, it's been like, you know, it's like come across, it's drifted and it's just a carpet of white. It's like immaculate, perfect, virginal snow. Very good. Very good. So is that what you, can you just repeat? Are you saying that you Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> um, that is a wrap, I would say. <sighs> oh, man. That was a good ending. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that's not the end. We haven't talked about what the next game is. Yeah, we have to say what the next game is. Yeah, what's the, what's the next game? And the next game is uh, Observer. But, but that sounds familiar, Ted. Didn't you already cover that game? Didn't we already cover Observer back mm. in like episode... Maybe. Oh, what was it, six, seven? I'm scratching my head. I feel like we have. But no, we did not cover Observer. We covered Observation. Ah, okay. And we definitely got them confused at the time another one of those outer worlds outer wilds mismatch mix-ups yeah and i think we were like oh well we've played one of the obs games so let's not do the other one unless we had a reason to whereas now it's not just called observer it's called observer colon system redux and that gives us a reason to play it because it's essentially a flashy new release of the 2017 game yeah, and, and we both thought it looked really interesting. It does look really interesting. So, uh, yeah, that'll be our Christmas episode. Sweet. Maybe like I'll come to the house, we'll record an episode, I'll take the PlayStation, then I'll come back to the house, we'll record an episode. Sort of like a welcome cat burglar. <laughs> <laughs>